Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. service, we will have um, some buckets up here and some people to pray. You can give on the app for the In This Together offering, but we'd love to pray with you. We believe that sowing that seed uh, in this church and also in your life, that there's a blessing, and we'd love to just um, honor that faith and pray with you in Jesus' name. I'm going to continue on with the series, The Language of the Lie, and um, let's go to Genesis. I do apologize for not moving on out of text, but I, I just believe that there's more for us this morning, and so um, just indulge me as we go back to Genesis, and we'll start in chapter 2, verse 16, and I want to look at a concept this morning. Um, We can title it, Blaming, Stop Blaming and Start Believing, or Going from Blaming to Believing, or Believe will Eliminate Blame, or however you want to write it down, but just believing that today we're going from Maybe if it's just a baby step from the posture of blaming where you are at today because of other people or life situations or the ups and downs to believing. We're just going to take one step away from believing and towards, from blaming, (laughs) towards believing. And um, Genesis chapter 2 verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. This represents the goodness of God. How awesome that God gave us every tree in the garden to eat. And this could have been thousands. This could have been tens of thousands. This, this could have been millions. But the point is that God's uh, generosity and his ability and his life and his goodness was represented in the beginning. That life in God represents Everything that God wanted to give us. This is the nature of God. Anything good in life is because of God. Not the devil, not you or me. It's because of God. God has gotten a bad rap. God's not angry. God is in love. For God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave everything throughout the, the good book is the revelation of the goodness of God. Anything to do with life, anything to do with friendship, romance, uh, blessing, vacations, conversations, pumpkin spice, anything, L- latte, is, is because of God. The goodness of God. It's the enemy that is the one that's trying to get us to focus on the can'ts. God is a God of can, and the enemy is, well, no, let's, let's focus on what you can't do. Let's focus on the failures. Let's focus on the sin. Chapter 3, it says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and I know I lose my voice. I want you to know, I don't necessarily always lose it during preaching. It's actually worship. Man, first service. It's funny. I come in, and I start going for it. Heart like Harris. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I have to preach. And I realized a couple of those notes, <clears throat> I might have lost it. I can't quite sing like Leah. And uh, so I, uh, I need to be careful and, uh, and worship a little quieter. But anyways, has God indeed said, 
you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. In other words, other translations say, so God said you can't. So God said you can't. Let, let, let's go figure out what you can't eat of and what you can't do. Now, I don't understand the fullness of this revelation in the sense that this was perfect. This was without sin. And God created this garden and all these trees we can eat of. And there was one tree we couldn't eat of. And God allowed the enemy to, to be a part of this scenario. And, and this one tree, that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they couldn't eat of. And God didn't necessarily give them the full details except to say, if you eat of it, you'll die. And there's the goodness of God saying, why don't we live our lives eating and partaking of everything that I have given to you and, and allowed for you to partake of. And the enemy said, no, let's, hey, let's park our lives around the one tree you can't eat of. And from the beginning, we have to look at this as the, the enemy, the language of the lie, is trying to get us to say, hey, all that's good, but let's look at what we can't do. Let's look at what we can't figure out. Let's look at what you can't do as a person. Yeah, let's solve that. Let's look at all of your weaknesses, and let's, let's get around that. And God is trying to say, no, let's, let's get on to what you can and what I have given to you and the ability that I have given to you to live your life, to be thankful, and enjoy my goodness. God is a God of can. The enemy is about the can't. The flesh is about the can't. And that's what we tend to focus on, whether it's one thing or a few things. I want to talk about this morning, going from blaming to believing. And um, let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for church. We thank you, God, that we're, uh, we are in this together. Lord, we don't have to live life alone. We don't have to live life uh, through the ups and downs, trying to figure everything out, Lord, on our own. We thank you for family. Lord, we thank you for pastors and, and churches and just people, even though it's imperfect. God, we, we choose to lift up our eyes to the saying, God, let us see something else. If, if we're focused too much on the can'ts and the won'ts and the didn'ts, God, are we missing something? And I don't want to miss your goodness. I don't want to miss something that you are doing by something that I didn't do in the past. God, I want to take my focus off of myself this morning, and I want to put it on you. And I want to catch a fresh revelation this morning. And even in the past, maybe I've hoped and maybe I've believed and, and tried faith and it didn't work. But God, I pray today, Lord, fresh faith, increase our faith, get our our hopes up. Do something on the inside of us, God, that would cause us to leave this place with some fresh faith and a fresh heart to believe because we believe that all things are possible to those who believe. And God, we want to be believers today, not believers. There's nothing wrong with that, but believers in Jesus name. Amen. It's pop culture. Did he say believer. He wants us to be a yeah, whatever, a believer, a believer. I was, uh, I was thinking about Things that I'm proud about my life. Now, that might seem arrogant or prideful, but um, I, I, I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about, what am, I, what am I proud about? Is there something that I am proud of about myself, about my life? I'm 39. I got 40 in the crosshairs, okay? And so looking back at life, and it's like, is there anything that I am proud about. You might notice I got a couple band-aids. Maybe you didn't notice, but it's not from chopping wood all weekend. It's from a pumpkin carving incident. And so uh, be careful out there, okay? Shredded, shredded this finger pretty good. So anyways, but I'm still hoping I can, I got my preaching form going. So, so yeah, it's going to work. Don't worry. It's going to, it's going to work. 
Anyways, I was thinking about what I'm proud of, and, and off the top of my head, I was thinking about the missions trips that I've been able to, to go on, and, and I, I've been able to, to go to a lot of different countries and, and a lot of different nations, and I'm proud of that. I'm, 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 I'm proud of that. I got to meet two kings, a king of Swaziland in Africa and a king of Tonga uh, in Tonga. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, you know, every once in a while during Christmas, I, find my, I might find that box of pictures and sort of, you know, randomly take a little cruise down memory lane and, and uh, see all the different cultures and the people and the churches and, you know, get a little choked up and just go, wow, that's awesome. Like, I'm so, I'm so happy. I'm so proud. I'm so thankful that I got to meet different cultures and, and different races and different people with different beliefs. And it's, it, what's awesome is it only increased my belief in Jesus. You know, meeting uh, thousands of Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims has only caused me to believe that, that, that they're lovely people and I love them. But, but the one true God is Jesus. And he's the only God that left his heaven or his utopia because he loved me, willing to give up his life and his existence for mine. So meeting people has caused me to not only see the face of God and the revelation of God because we all reflect his glory, all the nations of the world, but that, that, that Jesus, wow, Jesus is real, Jesus is Lord. And so I'm proud of that. And, and you would think maybe I would think about this all the time, something I'm proud about, something I'm excited about. But you know what's funny is I actually think, you know, if I'm to be honest, and I think this is a safe place, I could be vulnerable here this morning, is I actually think a lot about my love handles. Um, <laughs> And about my wrinkles. I got new wrinkles popping up like every week. They're coming, they're coming fast and hard. And like nose hairs, I don't know what it is, guys, but once you hit a certain age, it's like a weed. I mean, you can trim it yesterday and look in the mirror and go like, seriously? Like, what is happening? Sorry, it's probably too much. But I, if I'm to be honest, I don't sit there and ponder daily. Oh, there's kids in Africa. Oh, Indonesia, this church is experiencing revival. Lord, bless the persecuted church. I mean, yeah, I pray from time to time, and I I, I stand with them from time to time. But I'm talking about not just in my quiet time for an hour in the morning or on Sundays. I'm talking about what takes up the majority of my time. And if I'm to be honest with you, sometimes I think a lot about my love handles. And I'm like, seriously? Because all of you have phones and pictures, and pictures are everywhere. My wife Snapchats in bed, and I have to see my 15 chins. You know, and I see pictures, and like if I turn this way, I literally think this love handle is bigger than this love handle, and it's amazing. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but but I I can't believe that I'm not inundated with the awesomeness of what God has done in my life and who he is and what he's doing. It's amazing to me how fixated I am on the negative things about myself, the negative things about marriage and life and kids and city and church and people. It's amazing to me. But the positive, the awesomeness, far outweighs the negative. But why do I always end up on the one thing I I can't or don't like about myself or don't like about church or people? You know, and I don't mean to get too deep, too real. This morning, but I was thinking about church and how me and we all often walk around talking about how the previous church or the previous churches or ministries or pastors or people hurt us. And man, I lived in that. You know what saved me was realizing I might have one, two, three, four, or five hurts, but, but have I forgotten the help that that pastor or that church or that ministry gave me? I can stand there and go, that person hurt me, that person offended me, but have I forgotten the tears and the prayer and the counsel and the preaching and the teaching that was surrounded me and made me who 
who I am today? Yeah? So hurt. Can't believe they said that to me. And it's honest and it's real. And I'm not here to mock it except for the fact that it invades the everything of our lives. Our thinkings and our thoughts and the, what I don't like about myself. Do I walk around? Does God want me to walk around and without pride and arrogance, though understand who I am as a person and like me? And go, if I'm called to love the world, the Bible says love God and love people as yourself. What happens if you don't love or like yourself? Then you love them out of the same disdain that you have for yourself. You cannot give what you don't have. And, and so there we are. But yet I think about the things I don't like. How much do we think about the things we don't like? When's the last time you just thought about something you liked about you and just went, oh, so good? <laughs> I'm, I honestly, I have to I preach every, I think about how funny I'm not. How, how much I miss clarifying a point. Do I ever sit around and think, man, I made that point good? No, because I'm constantly trying to strive to become better. So rarely do I stop, maybe smell the roses or become thankful or think about. Yet in marriage, we allow how she rolls up the toothpaste or how he leaves his underwear on the, on the ground, rob us of maybe hundreds of incredible things that they do. But we've parked our life under the annoying can't or won't or disappointment or weakness, robbing us from the life and goodness and health and testimony that God is doing in our lives, our family, our marriage. You know, I'll walk the streets of this city eating donuts and drinking coffee, um, because it's, it's what pastors do to culturally connect with the community. Amen? And, and you know how many thoughts I honestly think about people? Man, what a backslidden city. What an agnostic city. What are they? got donuts with crate. This is, this, is, this is wrong, this city. When's the last time you walked the streets of, of Vancouver or Portland and just thought, oh, what an opportunity. Oh, God loves these people. Oh, this is awesome. When's the last time you looked at a certain group of people that you don't like or just annoy you? And you thought, oh, I can't wait to see a revival amongst the Wiccans of Portland or whatever. I can't, oh, I can't wait for, do you know what I mean though? What consumes our minds and our hearts is the one tree. And the enemy is like, yes, let's let's do that. Let's talk about that. Let's think about that. I'll even let you pray about that. That's awesome because it's spiritual. But let's park our lives and our hearts and our minds and our time around the can'ts and the won'ts and the things that didn't work out. Because the enemy knows if he can get us caught up in that, it'll rob us from everything that God is doing and has provided and is speaking. We'll miss it. We'll miss it. It's the one thing that they couldn't eat of took the whole thing down. Is that what's taking us down? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it true that possibly God is working and moving and speaking more than you could ever imagine? And yet you're fasting and praying and centering your faith around the can'ts and the past and the weaknesses. And you're possibly doing a 21-day Daniel fast around your weakness. God, change that. Change that about me. Change that about me. And God's like, I understand that, son, that your friend does that really well and you want that. But can I just show you something that I made you 
so unique and so perfect because I formed and fashioned you to do a certain task and gifted you according to that destiny that you can't quite see yet. But if you would trust me, I would unlock something and you would start to be excited about being you and not comparing yourself against everybody else. Come take, take, come take a fresh look at what I can do through you and what I am doing in you. This is the cross. This is the cross. This is the grace of God. This is the New Testament. I know you're broken. I know you're hurting. This is Jesus. Not to belittle you, not to change, or not to, you know, look at you and say, hey, don't worry about, you know, the past and your brokenness and where you're at. But this is Jesus saying, come to me, all you are thirsty. I'm not here to judge your thirstiness. I'm not here to even analyze your thirstiness. Maybe in time and through wisdom and knowledge and faith, we can unlock some of the reasons on why you are who you are and why, what, what, what makes you tick. But for right now, we need to just focus on the fact that you need some water. You need some bread. You need some salvation. And so I want you to focus on me. I am the bread of life. I am the, 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 the rivers of living water. I am the prince of peace. Could you focus off of yourself and put it onto me. Would you, would you get your eyes onto grace? Maybe this is what David figured out. David was pre-grace. David was pre-cross. He was, he was pre-mercy. And yet somehow he had figured out, if I get my eyes off of my sheep and my pasture and my dysfunctional family and I tap into the presence of God even before the cross, he tapped into the nature of God through faith and said, he's good. There's something else going on here. My, my perspective has changed because I I've caught a glimpse of God, and I, 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 I've, I've left and I've lost myself in, in who He is. I, I, I've left my sin and my, and my bad and my failure, and I've, I've gotten lost in His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His love, and He's so good. I'm basically not in denial. I'm just, I'm just so focused on Him. This is the New Testament. I'm just caught up in grace. Yeah, 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 but what about last week when you, I know, I know, but that's my only hope. Grace is my only hope. Not only to cover my sin, but to conquer. My only hope is grace. My only hope is Jesus. This is the message of the New Testament. And like a good father, a loving father who repeats himself so his kids don't miss the message, is what I do to Jude. Jude! Young man, look both ways when you're crossing the road. No, young man, Jude! You did not look both ways. You like threw a glance. I can't lose you, son. I want you to get hit by a car. You need to look both ways. Jude, both ways. Again. Look again. Repeat myself. Repeat myself. Carrie was going up to Alaska to fish. This is a true story. She did not have her belt for her, her waders. And some of you are going, belt for waders? Yeah, it's just she's got these baggy waders. And I was imagining her falling over the boat, getting filled with water, and drowning at the bottom of the Kenai River. Well, not wanting to lose my wife and the mother of my children, I'm just like, oh, babe, put your belt on. And, and she was, I must have bugged her like 50 times. Babe, did you get your belt? No. Text. That's not how I text, but whatever. Text, <laughs> email, fax, you know, just calling in the Rangers. Make sure she's got her belt on. Babe, you got your belt? Babe, you got your belt? You got your belt? No, we, we're going to Cabela's, but we'll get the belt. Babe, did you get the belt? No, I didn't get the belt. Babe, get your belt from your dad. He's, he's, he can go home to heaven, but you, you're too young. Get his belt. Put on the belt. Babe, it's in the Bible. Belt of truth. Put it on. But I repeat myself. Repeat myself. Repeat myself. 
This is our Heavenly Father repeating Himself, saying, this message is too good and too clear. Yeah, you can have a PhD in theology, but I need every race, creed, color, and culture, rich or poor, to not miss the, the theme and the essence of the New Testament being grace and love and a gift, and it's unearned and it's unmerited, and He's a good God. And so He repeats Himself like a Heavenly Father saying, grace, love, mercy, grace, love, mercy, grace, love, Mercy, forgiveness, it's a gift. What's the one thing any church, any Christian, any denomination will not fight over? There is one, and that is Jesus Christ at the center of the Christian faith around the world, saved by grace. No one fights about it, and that's about where it ends. (laughs) Everything else is debatable. It worked. Grace you cannot save yourself. You cannot change yourself. You cannot heal yourself. Some of you think you can, but you can't. And even if you're doing something and think you can, you're simply just receiving grace by faith. Anything that you do is simply faith. It's not the water that baptizes you, it's the faith. It's not the hand on your shoulder for prayer, it's the faith. It's not this little piece of bread and the juice. It's the faith in the remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's faith. It's faith. This is the message of the New Testament. This is Paul's message. Of course, Jesus went to the cross and and saved us. That That is Christian faith at its essence. But without Paul, we wouldn't understand a lot of it. Without Paul, we wouldn't understand different theologies around faith and grace. Without Paul, we wouldn't have pastors, prophets, pastors, and teachers. We wouldn't have do things in decency and order. We wouldn't have strategy and implementation and the practical things that Paul brought. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, and Paul was a grace guy. Unequivocally, grace was Paul's message. There is no doubting the message of Paul. Paul was extreme grace. I hear people talking about, hey, is that a grace church? Is that a grace preacher? You know what? Paul was all about the grace. All about the grace was Paul. Think about Paul's writings when when Paul is just, just unbalanced in some of these statements that he pins and he writes to say grace is sufficient. Not grace plus righteousness plus a prayer life. I mean, I would have said that. I would have put in a four-point principle with equal sufficiency, not Paul. Paul said, my grace, that's sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. I can do all things through Christ, Christ, Christ. Can you imagine Paul getting up in front of church and saying, hey, this weekend I did what I didn't want to do, and I didn't do what I should have done. (laughs) Oh, sin. (laughs) It's living in me. This is Paul. Hey, for time and eternity, in the good book, I'm a chief of sinners. I mean, if Paul preached that at this church, he'd be like, Ryan, cut the mic. Paul, sit down. Balance yourself, son. You're going to just, you're just burdening people. Talking about what you can't, you didn't do what you wanted to do during the storm. What did you do? You got everyone's minds all wandering. That's Paul. Paul stood there and held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. Paul, the chief of Pharisees, he was a learned man. 
He was smart. He, was, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't an airy, fairy, hippie surrounding himself. And it doesn't matter what people do. Grace and love and peace and fairy dust. That wasn't Paul. Paul was a serious man. Paul murdered people. He imprisoned the early church. But it was Paul who was not searching for Jesus, but Jesus who was searching for Paul. And on the road one day, Jesus met Paul. And so Paul said, I'm telling you, this grace is chasing after you. God, he's, this, this Jesus is, is, is everything. This Jesus is everything. This grace is everything. I know you're going to tell me that you've got to do some things. You've got to figure some things out. But I don't want you to get confused. It does not compare to what he can do. He can do everything and anything. Grace. You need grace. I know you need to pray, but you need grace to pray. I know you need to forgive and figure out your past. But it's by grace. It is by grace. It is by grace. His grace is sufficient. Oh, his love never fails. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of them is love. Whoa. Paul. Paul was a grace guy. Paul was a grace guy. Paul said, Jesus. Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeah, but Paul, how am I supposed to just Jesus? Just fall on your face and get Jesus. Jesus. Maybe we should preach more like this. Less points and principles. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. But I need something else. I know. I know. I want to help you. I want to give you something else. But if you don't get the fact that the power is in Jesus. And the power is in grace. And the power is in the unmerited gift. And the power is in the cross. The power is not what you can do but what he can do. And you got to get focused off of yourself and onto him. Grace. 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 Paul's so powerful that he preaches. Some man falls out of the window. He goes down and raises him from the dead and keeps preaching. Paul. Beaten. Tortured. For the gospel. Paul. We're doing okay. We're cruising along the New Testament. Grace, mercy, love. Grace, mercy, love. Grace, mercy, love. And then every once in a while, you know that verse that you read that goes, hmm. Seems to, seems to sort of counteract what you've just read. Seems a little intense. Liars go to hell. You're like, whoa. What happened? James is one of those books. You're cruising along, just getting all hopped up on love juice and Jesus juice and the cross and grace. And we're all sinners and we've all fallen short. Woo! You're having a grace celebration. And all of a sudden, James sort of comes in and ruins the party and says, Rejoice in trials, church. Like Mr. Intense just walked in. Yeah, we're having, a, we're having a party about heaven here, James. We're getting kind of excited about the sweet by and by. Well, rejoice when it all hits the fan, all right? James, I just lost my dad. Well, rejoice. I mean, like, no compassion, no mercy. If you go through the book of James, I mean, it's just intense. Your tongue is a it's fire. It's fire. How can you bless God and curse people with it? Give me a break. For years, I just, next book, you know. I think I need to reread through First John. Love, love, okay. Love, love. James, so intense. Olive trees don't produce figs. If you have figs, you're not who you think you are. Oh. 
Okay? Okay, so intense. And what perceivingly seems like a book that contradicts Paul. When we look at James, the brother of Jesus, we realize that James was not a disciple of Jesus. James didn't believe until after the resurrection, it's believed. James is referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's also believed that James was the first book written in the New Testament. Now, if we look at it from that perspective, it's impossible because James was a disciple of Paul. James was under the grace canopy. Is it possible that that James is about to write an epistle that is the first of the New Testament writing to the churches? He was the only apostle that stayed in Jerusalem. And he, he was passionate about saying, you're about to hear the greatest message ever told. Grace, I don't want you to miss it. Is it possible that he was complimenting Paul saying, you're about to be inundated with grace. You're about to be theologized about grace. You're about to sing new songs and pray new prayers and do life and religion in a whole new way. There's a new way to connect to God, and it is through Christ. You're about to hear the good news, the great news, the life-changing message of the cross. And I don't want you to miss it. Is it possible that his intensity comes from a life lived by also missing it. Is it possible that the story in life of James is saying, I, I lived with grace. Same house. I dined with love himself personified. I vacationed with grace. I dined with grace. I worked with grace. And I missed it. And I missed it. I didn't get it. I didn't see it. And it wasn't until love was nailed to the cross and raised from the dead on the third day that I started to receive because it came alive to me through faith. It, it was only when I started to believe. When it's only when I started to have faith. It's only when I started to actually open up my heart in the middle of trial, in the middle of excuses, in the middle of blame, in the middle of my valley that I wasn't going to blame any longer, but I was going to start to believe In Jesus Christ, it was only through faith that grace started to change my life. And so Paul, James writes this epistle saying, Church, you're about to hear the most radical message on grace ever told. But I was surrounded and missed it. You could be surrounded and missed it. You need to get a not a fake faith, but a real faith. And when faith works, it starts to access grace. I need you to get a real faith. Don't fake it. Don't spiritualize it. Don't play games. Don't blame grace. I lived with Jesus and I didn't believe. I walked with grace and I didn't believe. I dined with love in the flesh and I didn't believe. You could imagine James's upbringing. His mom got pregnant by God. That's a tough upbringing. I always believed Mary was a good mother and Joseph was a good father, but still that little sketchy thing, you know, it's like my mom all of a sudden, yeah, she just was pregnant. Well, how'd that happen? Ah, uh, you know, as, as you do, I guess, you know, God and get it, you just kind of, you know, and my mom, anyways, moving on. I mean, this is James. How do you figure out if your mom got pregnant by God and your brother's Jesus? You're stuck between the humanity and the divinity and, and, and you're trying to, I mean, the poor kid, poor guy, 
He's stuck in a situation that's obviously probably one of the toughest in human history. He's the brother of Jesus. His mom is Mary. And he's got to struggle with what happened. What's really going on? This all seems a little crazy. And I can't wrap my brain around it. And I, I can't figure it out. And, but at some point after the resurrection, James said, I stopped blaming my brother and my mom and my family as I was the victim of something I couldn't understand. And I started to believe. And when I started to believe, and so you can imagine James, he's intense, but he's, he's not intense about you trying to earn something or work for something. He's trying to say, I don't want you to miss grace like me. I don't want you to miss love like I did. I want you to get a real faith, a robust faith, an honest faith. Don't tell me that you're fasting and you're praying and you're going to this conference and you're seeking and you're just trying to figure out the will of God. Stop! Stop! If your faith is not tapping into Jesus, it's not an authentic faith. If, if your faith is not working, it's dead. And he's coming from this pastoral place saying, I love you. But let's be honest, figs don't come from olive tree. You might not be who you are, think you have what you need or have what you have. Just, just fall on your knees and get some real faith. Do whatever it takes. Go to church twice. Get some prayer. Go to a, go to a small group meeting. Go to five. Get some books. Listen to podcasting. Lock yourself in, the, in your room for, for days. Whatever you need to do, just get honest about your faith. Because when you get a real faith, and he's the author of faith, ask him for it. He'll give it to you. But when you get a real faith, he goes, look out. Because when faith starts to work, Jesus becomes real. This message comes alive. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us, it is the power of Jesus unto salvation. It is our power. And it is who we are. And you can't unlock the cross. You can't unlock grace. You cannot unlock the voice of God without faith. Because faith's job is to access grace. You're saved. By faith through grace. Faith through grace. You're healed by faith through grace. You're transformed by faith through grace. Your future's renewed by faith through grace. This is James. This is James. History records that his nickname, I know it's kind of funny, but it was everywhere when I was reading this, that they called him Old Camel Knees. You just imagine James going from a pity party to woe is me. My mom got pregnant by God. My brother is Jesus. My life's all crazy. Excuses, blame, pity party to a man who said, I want as much Jesus and grace and love as I can get. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to, if I could go back, if I could go back, I would stop blaming and making excuses and spiritualizing, and I would just start to believe even when I couldn't, even when it didn't make sense. I would back off of my blame. Well, if God loved me, he would help me understand more that my mom got pregnant by God. I mean, you can imagine his list of needs from God. Well, I won't believe until. And he goes, I would put down that list and simply just start to activate the mustard seed of faith that was already given to me. And it was believed that James was dragged to the top of the temple. And thrown to his death. And he didn't die. So they came and they stoned him. And they, they beat him with a club. And it's recorded that he was, he was praying. And he was, he was accessing grace to the last breath. And this, this passion, it's this fervor that he was saying, Church, 
Grace will change you. Grace will save you. The power of God, there's nothing like it. It's everything you need. Paul's about to explain it. Paul's about to preach it. Paul's about to teach it. But I just don't want you to miss the greatest message ever told. But I missed it, and so can you. If you don't get a real faith, start to believe. Today, start to believe. Start to believe. Even right now, this morning, start to believe. Start to believe. Let that faith begin to be activated this morning. Faith, faith, faith. Start to believe. Don't miss, don't misunderstand, don't, don't belittle what, what is your role in the sense of what faith is. Faith will start to take a lot of what seems to be effort, what seems to be magical, when you start to, to dip your toe into faith, you can start to be like, this seems like I'm just nothing's really going to matter here. This doesn't seem real. I just start to believe this is what Jesus wants from me. This is what James is trying to get me to do to stop making excuses and to stop trying to fake it and spiritualize it. This is James going, yeah, yeah, because you're going to, your whole life, if you live with blame or you live with excuses, you're going to constantly portray this message like you are waiting on Jesus and you are waiting on grace. And James is saying, you don't understand that grace is waiting on you. It is waiting to enter your life. Johnny Grace is, is waiting to sweep. It's waiting for access. It's waiting for access into every area of your life. Would you give grace access this morning into your prayer life, into your worship, into your past, into your future, into your marriage, into your ministry, with, with whatever God has, would you allow grace to enter it? This is the intensity of James. Give it access. Give it access. Get a faith so dangerous that it accesses grace. This is James. Believe. 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 Look at Adam and Eve in the garden when they eat of the fruit. God finds them. He says, Adam, where are you? Why are you where you are at right now in life? And Adam goes, Eve, her, Eve, why are you here? What are you doing here? Satan, God deals with them according to that blame, but ultimately identifies the fact that you are where you are. Don't blame Eve, Adam. You're where you are because of unbelief, 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 unbelief. Get back to believing my word, even when it doesn't make sense and you don't understand why you can't eat of one tree. I just want you to come back to a place of faith and start partaking and receiving and eating and be nourished off of everything that you can do in me that I've given to you. Come back. Come back to faith. Come back to believe. Come back to believing. Come back to accessing faith this morning. So even right now, we access faith that this is the best year right now of your life in worship. I know some of you look back, past in the days of old when we used to really worship or that church really had this or really had that. Get past all of that and say, God, this is, this is the greatest time of me experiencing your presence of my entire life. I'm going to believe. 
that worship is in spirit and in truth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe that I was created to worship. I'm gonna believe that my car and my house and my home and my, my, my workplace is gonna be filled with your worship. Lord, I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna believe for prayer this year. I'm believing for prayer. I'm believing. Just, just pick up faith this morning and begin to activate it and begin to say, God, I want a faith that works. I want a faith that works. I don't want a faith that just sets on, well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, what if that happens again? What if this church fails? I've been a part of church plants that have gone and transitioned. And I believe that God would want you to, to hear this morning that I, I, I know that you're able to question. And I know that you're able to daydream about the negative and your love handles and your wrinkles and how the church has hurt you. But I need to know, is there anyone that has faith that can begin to daydream about the possibilities of the word of God and what God wants to do in your life. I want you to switch as a man or woman thinks, so are they. And I want you to let those lies or the past or the negativity begin to fill you. I want you to be able to test yourself and try to sit there and let the word of God have access to your faith. Can you begin to fill your mind with the possibilities that this is the best year of my marriage to date? It doesn't make any sense because we don't have any money or we don't have any this or we don't have any that but is it possible is there anybody with faith that can begin to say I don't see it I don't get it but what I do have is a little bit of faith and I'm going to begin to believe that God is for me not against me and all things are possible according to believing don't make any sense but I'm gonna look for it I'm gonna grab my poor wife and my poor kids and but I'm not going to believe that I can only have happiness with a new minivan and Disneyland and a new house. We're going to grab our top ramen. We're going to take the neighbor's pumpkin. <laughs> going to gather around the family. We're going to have a good night. Yeah, good. I'm tired of being robbed by what's not going on. Yeah. I'm tired of being robbed by my past. I'm tired of being robbed by my failures, my weaknesses, my misgivings, the one tree that I can't figure out. James is saying, get serious, church. Get serious, church. Get a faith in Jesus that's fresh, that's robust, that begins to believe. I know you're not going to think it's working and you're waiting on Jesus and waiting on grace and waiting on love, but I'm telling you right now, heaven wants to come to your earth. Heaven wants to invade beyond what you can imagine. No eye has seen and no hear has heard. If you can begin to believe and trust and grab a hold of the word of God. Get a faith that works. Get a faith that works. Quit faking it. You can just see this pastoral apostle like just smacking us upside the head. Well, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just working out poof, just every excuse. Read James today as he, from a grace perspective, a disciple of Paul, a disciple who missed the ministry of Jesus because he was the brother of Jesus and he missed it. He didn't believe. It says that his family. There's no honor in his hometown. Familiarity breeds contempt. And he said, you know what? I don't want you to miss it. Grace could be no closer than it is right now, but you got to let it in through faith. Let's stand this morning. God, give us a faith that's Jesus-centered. Give us a faith that's grace-centered. 
Give us a great, give us a faith that's cross-centered. Lord, let us get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our past, and on to what you're doing, on to the redemption, on to the restoration, on to the revival, and it might feel like we're in denial. It might feel like we're not being honest and we're not being real and that the language of the lie might have something redeemable about it. But Jesus is saying, no, lift up your eyes, son. Lift up your eyes, daughter. Put your eyes on me and start to see the provision of God. I am working. I am moving. I am speaking. And I need you today to begin to believe. Oh, begin to believe. Just begin to believe that he's called you. Begin to believe that he he made you perfect, unique, anointed, gifted. There's a purpose to what makes you tick. Stop being infatuated with the negativity and the words and the trials and and the things that you faulted and the things that you have failed. I believe the word of the Lord is lift up your eyes and begin to see the goodness of God on the inside of you. Some of you need to stop blaming yourself. Put down the blame and begin to believe that your greatest day are ahead of you and this is the fall and winner of the goodness of God. Begin to believe. Begin to believe. Oh, begin to believe. Begin to believe for yourself. Begin to believe for this church. Begin to believe for your family. Begin to believe for this city. Begin to believe and say, God, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to take you at your word. Your word does not return void. And though it makes no sense, I'm standing on the word of God saying, Lord, you're the author. You're the finisher of my faith. I can't even get faith on my